Hey, what's up? What's up? Hey, everybody. Hi there. Is my mic working? Yep, I can hear you. And who are we talking with today? Uh, you're. Give me one second because I I I think I'm I'm not hearing you very clearly. Give me like okay. one second. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Can you speak again? Yep. Yep. What's up, guys? Hey, what's up? Yeah, thank you so much for having us. So, uh, yeah, just a quick introduction. So, my name is Harun. I am the uh, CEO of Lens Protocol. Um, also, just a big, quick background of myself. So, my journey in finance began in the traditional credit sector, where I spent more than five years developing a uh, deep understanding of the lending slash credit industry. And I also had the privilege of working as an analyst at ING and providing financial insights at Philips. Um, and it was my adventure in the crypto world in, I believe, 2015 that opened my eyes to the unique challenges in, in DeFi lending. Um, and this insight was pretty much the catalyst for founding Lens Protocol years later. And um, since then, my goal has always been to bridge the gap between DeFi and, and traditional finance, uh, bringing together um, reliability, but also innovation, like what pretty much Torchain stands for. It's like amazing innovative uh, protocol and then uh, Ahmed my co-founders also present uh, he's pretty much like a tech wizard with more than uh, 10 years of experience as a full stack developer and uh, yeah together uh, as, as the founding team we, we are determined to propel Lens protocol forward combining a uh, wealth of industry insight and also just robust technical expertise to to innovate and improve the uh, DeFi lending landscape um, yeah, and that's pretty much about us and the team, and also just a quick introduction as well about Lens. So, at Lens, we are like very much aware of the need for for reliable and, and efficient financial uh, lending systems, and um, our protocol is specifically designed for users that are looking for fixed rate uh, and also fixed maturity lending options, but with a very innovative twist. So, we use an order book based loan pricing model to ensure a precision, but also be transparency in all our services. So this means uh, borrowers get a top quality lending experience. But what really sets us apart, in my opinion, is our uh, offering of atomic on-chain issuance of debt tokens. So these are not only transferable, they are also uh, tradable over the counter on secondary markets. Um, and this opens up many opportunities for uh, managing and also leveraging debt in ways previously unthinkable in the DeFi space. So, yeah, we're pretty much here to transform the DeFi lending space, and, and we've only just begun, and we, we can't wait until our users get to uh, experience it. Cool, man. Well, thanks for hopping on today. Uh, just a quick intro for myself. This is Familiar Cal from the Nine Realms team. Uh, thanks for hopping on, everybody. And, yeah, uh, thanks thanks to Rune and uh, the Lens guys for coming on. So, yeah, I'd love to hear like more about um you know everything that you guys are building behind the scenes like especially why you chose to start building with uh with thorchain using it basically being one of the flagship uh lending providers for the for the thorchain ecosystem and i and one of the the three uh interfaces where you can actually take out a, a thorchain loan which is pretty cool so like uh, yeah i'm, I'm kind of curious to learn a little bit more about just just the history of the of the team and and you guys, I know you gave a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, like, how, like I'm curious, just like some simple things, like you know how big the team is, uh, you know where you guys are, um, you know globally, 
uh, yeah, and just like kind of some kind of the background and philosophy that, that drove you guys to start building with DoorChain. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you for this question. So our, our team is primarily based in Europe. Some of our team is also based in Dubai. Some of our team members currently are looking to migrate towards Dubai. Obviously, it has many reasons, like like it's pretty much the, the native capital for, for cryptocurrency. Like a lot of the big power players are in Dubai. Uh, tax and regulation obviously has something to do with it. Um, and um, sorry, I got lost. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, our team is 15 members big. Uh, which consists of nine full-time members that are that are working, and, and six part-time, so on a call basis. Um, so yeah, it, it's not the biggest team, it's not the smallest team. Uh, not, some, some some team members have, have bigger tasks, some have smaller tasks. But yeah, like 15. We're, we're we're proud that we built such a big team. We just started with Ahmed and I, and we've slowly scaled up, uh, adding more team members to to our to our team. Um, and our decision to integrate with Torchain was strategic and, and based on several key factors that align with our own vision uh, for Lens Protocol. So first, um, Torchain's commitment to enabling layer one to layer one swaps is revolutionary. Uh, nobody has done it before. They're the first one. Obviously, there are some people stepping up and are trying to do the same thing like Chainflip. But Torchain was definitely the, the first one, a very innovative future. And this future pretty much allows for seamless exchange of assets across different blockchains, which is critical for the kind of universal accessibility and efficiency you want to provide if you want to compete with like stocks or traditional finance. So I think that's extremely important. Uh, moreover, the way Torchain, uh, uh, Torchain's lending futures works, like including interest-free, but also liquidation-free loans, um, aligns perfectly with our own mission to provide more user-friendly and less um, punitive financial options. So this is like a, a game changer in, in, in the lending world and reduce the risks uh, and barriers normally associated with bar uh, borrowing. Um, yeah, obviously, you have another um, key future that we also support Torchain's Savers API. Uh, it, it promises very competitive returns for savers and also encourages a, a healthier, more robust ecosystem for both lenders and borrowers. Like some of the APYs, for example, in USDC, it's like they're pretty much competing with centralized exchanges uh, higher than some of the centralized exchanges. And like DeFi lending protocols don't even come in a neighborhood of, of the current APYs of Torchain's uh, uh, savers. So, and then obviously beyond the technical aspects, uh, Torchain also has a very dedicated core team and, and a thriving ecosystem. So their commitment to, to innovation and, and community matches our values at Let's Protocol. Uh, the strength and activity of the Torchain community uh, also provides a very robust foundation for growth and collaboration. Um, being part of such an ecosystem not only expands the capabilities and a potential revenue potential of our own platform, but also connects us to a, a broad network of uh, users and developers. So a, a lot of the, the, the current user base of our network and some of the developers uh, that are currently working for us have originated from the Torchain ecosystem, which is like obviously beautiful that you can network and, and connect like that through, through, through an ecosystem. Yeah, it, it's pretty incredible. Like everyone just like people just meet in the community and then they're just like, oh, yeah, let's, yeah. let's uh, you know, develop some kind of product here on top of this. And it's pretty cool that ThorChain actually lets you then put that out to users, but then you can just monetize it and actually like create a business on top of like the, the core protocol there. So like it's pretty cool. That's uh, what you guys have done. Are, are you guys just thinking about uh, continuing just using, uh, you know, ThorChain's core features like swap uh, savers? And borrowing, are you thinking about also 
you know, adding support for other types of loans, but other protocols as well. I'm, I'm sure that's something you guys have uh, probably looked at in the past. Um, yeah, we definitely have. So we are talking with some other uh, swapping platforms. I don't want to give too much information because obviously I don't know if all these collaborations are actually going to materialize, if it's actually going to be beneficial for a, for a protocol, because obviously Torchain is pretty much at the top of the food chain. What they offer is it, it's it's very hard to compete with uh, the, the current aggregation that Torchain uh, supports, the current layer one to layer one swaps that Torchain supports. So it is something we are definitely working with. Also something very interesting in the, the, in the near future with uh, BRC20 tokens and with ordinals that we are currently working on. But again, I, I cannot give too much information about that because I'm, I'm not sure how much of it is going to uh, materialize. One thing I can tell you is, uh, one of our current roadmap uh, bullet points is, is focusing on liquidity. So we also understand that like robust liquidity is like the primary backbone of any successful DeFi protocol, uh, including Torchain. So soon you will have the ability to add liquidity to the Torchain network through our protocol. Um, just ensuring that our platform remains fluid, efficient, and ready to meet the, the needs of our users. I feel like it's like one key aspect that was missing on our protocol. And I think like, like adding liquidity is like important just to, to support Torchain itself uh, because it's, it, it is the backbone of, of Torchain as well. So uh, that is something we, we are currently uh, working on. Cool. And so you guys only launched a couple months ago, right? Because you guys only, uh, well, you, I think you had savers like and some swaps over the summer, but then you guys really uh, kind of launched with with lending and that being like one of your your primary things, obviously, with you guys being like call it lens. You're more of a lending focused thing. Is, is that more of the direction you guys are going to take more towards like lending or more towards being like a, a full featured uh, like door chain front end where you just you know keep offering you know pretty much every primitive that's that's offered on door chain in a, in a really cool ui or is it just kind of that that's just the base and then you can build off of that in you know whatever direction uh, you guys want yeah yeah absolutely so like i'm pretty excited to share what, what lies ahead for lens protocol itself so we have a comprehensive roadmap ahead of us to also answer your previous question, so initially we wanted it to be more lending based, which that is our primary goal. And obviously our protocol is called Lens, so we will have pretty much flagship the, the, the lending futures of Torchain and also our own lending futures of, of the peer-to-peer -peer lending module, um, which is like primarily focused on delivering, uh, delivering value and, and innovation to our users, just giving them the, the, the best um, user experience. So currently we are revamping our platform with a completely new interface designed for an enhanced user experience. So this update is designed to make our services more intuitive and accessible so that everyone from beginner level to expert in DeFi can uh, effectively use our offerings. Uh, but we are also like thinking at just supporting the full suite of Torchain futures because it is so hard to compete with them. Like, like, like I have tons of like personal friends and, uh, and, and, and people that I know in the crypto space that are asking me like, oh, are these APYs of Torchain legit? Is Can I trust my money in the protocol? I, I want to earn some APY on my USDC. I want to earn some APY uh, on, on my Bitcoin. And then like, I have to explain to them that uh, obviously there, there are some risks attached, just like with everything, nothing is risk-free, but like I'm, I'm just trying to explain to them the potential risk, which is pretty low if you compare it to other DeFi protocols. 
Um, so, so they have such a strong offering that you miss out on a lot of value if you just focus on one aspect. But obviously you have the drawback. If you focus on too many things, your UI can get cluttered and it's harder for users to come on your protocol and just like really understand in one glance what you're offering and, and what you can actually do on the side. So we are trying to find a middle ground, but our goal is definitely to support as uh, many of the Torchain futures that uh, Torchain is offering, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I mean, I guess sort of building out towards one feature is basically just like, all right, how do how do we connect a wallet? How do we sign yeah. that? And then uh, do do things with Thorchain. And then w once you kind of have one thing built, it's it's really not too far of a, of a leap to go from like, all right, you know, we're doing we're doing swaps. So there's a wallet connect. There's a you know some kind of selector mechanism, and then it's just send the swap. And then it's savers same thing. Yeah. It's just you know, you're just sending it to the savers vault instead, yeah. lending basically the same things. You're, you're kind of building off the same building blocks the whole time and just like building a cohesive product around that. Then it's just, you know, building a really cool UI that's, uh, you know, obviously not, not too cluttered because, yeah, you don't want people to get lost in the UI. Uh, and yeah, you just need to build something that's uh, pretty cohesive uh, all around, which I think you guys have done a pretty good uh job in doing so far thank you thank you yeah I'm, I'm, i definitely do agree with you like at a certain point like getting the ui just just getting the user experience to a very high level is probably one of the most mundane and like hardest tasks because it is um yeah it, it, it just like you can do it in so many different ways and it's hard to like a b test it um because you, you just need to actually just launch it and go live with it and, and just get user feedback um and yeah it, it, it's just hard but like oh, i i think we're, we're in it for the for the long game so uh eventually we'll, we'll get it 100 right i'm like confident that like we're really early um i definitely think torchain is like will be one of the biggest tokens ecosystem protocols in in, in the crypto ecosystem for for a very long time i don't think they're gonna go anywhere so we, we we we're early and we have a lot of time to to perfect it so like i'm confident that uh, that will be taken care of yeah, for sure. So, so what's your guys' uh, growth strategy just outside of the Thorchain ecosystem? Is it mostly towards just like build, building a really good product in the ecosystem and then having that kind of do the legwork of just like this is a great place to to access Thorchain products like lending? Or uh, do you guys have a, a growth strategy like outside of out of, of Thorchain to bring people into, uh, you know, your guys' protocol kind of abstracting away Thorchain into the back end? Or I'm, I'm just curious what your guys' plan is for uh for growth yeah for sure so we definitely want to do something unique we want to have a unique selling point uh because obviously you have several other torchain interfaces which like strictly focus on torchain but we also wanted uh people to have a reason to come out and check out the, the amazing torchain products so we were quite sure that we had to build something on the side so obviously one of one of the uh, exciting milestones we have on our roadmap is the uh, upcoming ido so our initial DEX offering. So this is an important step for us as it will not only raise funds to support our initiatives, but also increase our uh, visibility in the market and expand our community of supporters. So we are at the moment diligently uh, preparing for a smooth and successful launch. And then one of our uh, most anticipated updates is the launch of our peer-to-peer -peer, uh, lending module. So this is where we, in my opinion, really begin to 
innovate in the DeFi lending space. So our, our peer-to-peer lending module uh, enables direct lending between users, which offers like, greater flexibility, uh, competitive rates, and, and a transparent, secure environment for borrowing and lending. And this is where like uh, traditional finance meets DeFi innovation. And, and like, like I mentioned earlier, we, we can't wait for our users to experience it. And then also when you come to our website, you have like several lending options. You could choose for the peer-to-peer lending module which bears a higher risk, obviously, because you pay interest um, and you have the risk of liquidation. But if you are more risk averse and you want something that would uh, fit more with your risk management strategy, you could opt for the Torchain loans, which has zero interest and also uh, no possible way of liquidation. So it's really, obviously you you have a uh, lower loan to value. But uh, if, if that fits within your risk parameters, that's the loan you're going to go for. So we want to cater to all types of uh, lenders and borrowers. Um, and, and that's um, one of our strategies to get more users. Yeah, cool. I, I think a lot of people here know about door chain lending. But I mean, in case anyone doesn't, it's uh, interest free, liquidation free and no uh no period in which you have to pay back over. Uh, so you can take a take out a loan indefinitely, which is obviously pretty amazing terms for a loan. And uh, the collateralization ratio kind of gets gets lower and lower, uh, you know, as more loans are taken out. But like right now, it seems that the, the UI, the, the UX of taking out a Thorchain loan is pretty nice. And obviously the terms are great. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I, think, I think the other month we saw people taking out, uh, you know, clips of, was it like five five BTC loans yeah, and it, you know people just like yeah people just like you know hammering those down. So obviously the UX of that is going really well. I'm, I'm definitely curious to hear more about your guys' uh, peer-to-peer lending protocol though, and like you know how that's going to work, and you know how people can interact with that. Whether they whether people can uh, you know lend out their assets there, just borrow. Uh, you know if you guys are you know working with any. Uh, you know, institutional partners there, or whether it's just a purely, you know, retail P2P uh, marketplace. I'm kind of curious to hear about the uh, peer-to-peer lending protocol you guys are building. Yeah, so as of now, we do not have any uh, institutional uh, partners yet. Um, Also, we don't have any market makers active, although we are speaking with several market makers. But it is like very hard to market make on chain. So most of these market makers strictly want to do it off chain. They want to do it on a centralized exchange, which is obviously really hard if you're like a, a, trying to build a centralized loan order book. But um, basically, to explain it in its most simplistic form, so like the crypto lending market is divided between off chain. So you have your Binance, you have your, for example, Bitfinex, then you have your on chain. So you have your Aave or Compound. So Exchanges already use order books to price their loans, while lending pools, they rely strictly on interest rate curves. So uh, as of now, exchanges dominate the, the market. So they, they provide 15 times more loans than any of the leading decentralized protocols. But um, uh, so exchanges, they create efficiencies by centralizing all their uh, operations. So trading and lending and risk is all together. Um, but the problem is that this efficiency leads to uh, isolation. It leads to uh, limited composability and obviously uh, potential for frozen funds. So we believe that DeFi or uh, decentralized finance represents the way forward. So if you look at like the Ethereum DeFi space or like the Arbitrum ecosystem, like it, it has matured to to support a range of financial markets. So a lot of this growth is primarily, for example, driven by uh, Uniswap. You have their V2, you have their V3. 
Uh, and this is because they have built a very composable trading infrastructure that pretty much anybody can, can build on. If you look at OneInch, they, they source liquidity from multiple sources, including Uniswap. You have some lesser known protocols like, like Gelato Network that uses automation tools for DeFi. Um, so if you look at the trading infrastructure, it has really flourished, whilst the lending infrastructure um, remains highly fragmented. So uh, each lending protocol is implementing its own lending pool. Although like this approach is very suitable for bootstrapping liquidity, it is very uh, capital inefficient. So the problem with lending pools is that they create very inefficient spreads. So borrowers pay more and lenders earn less. It also limits price discovery and it also introduced shared risk because you're all co-mingled in one big lending pool. So to address these issues, we've like pretty much created Lens. Like uh, it's, it's a lending primitive that utilizes order books. So it's, it's capital efficient, it's market driven, it's composable. So how it exactly works is, so you have an order book in front of you. Uh, lenders and borrowers, they bid or offer at their desired rates, which are transparently matched on chain. So all these loans that have fixed maturities, they are uh, tradable and they also isolate uh, risk between counterparties. So our goal is to like create a composable lending infrastructure and just a, a global liquidity layer that will allow DeFi lending to surpass CeFi lending in, in skill if we, if we can get it right. So uh, that's just also our main product, which is like the, the, the funding book. Then you, you obviously have the bids to borrow on the left and then the offers to rent out on the right. And then the, the price of the order book is the rate of the underlying loan. So obviously you're collateralized, you can you, you post some collateral, you can either bid, you, you can take an offer, you can take a market borrow, and then you're, you're matched with a counterparty. Uh, you originate a, a loan of like a given APY. So it's, it's like fixed rate, uh, fixed maturity, no counterparty. And the goal is pretty much to improve the APYs, uh, create market driven pricing, and also facilitate better compliance tooling, but just not co-mingling everybody in, in one big lending pool. Got it. So, uh, what what assets would that support? Are, are you guys using Thorchain as the as the, the engine there to actually like switch between assets, or are you using something else like off chain to do that? Or um, no, yeah. so 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 as of now, we'll just like support two assets, which is like going to be Ethereum and 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 Bitcoin. Um, we can't use uh, uh, Thorchain as of now because we're most likely going to launch our our peer to peer lending module on the. Uh, ecosystem of uh, Arbitrum, they, they just, they, it's one of the most thriving ecosystems uh, uh, besides Ethereum. And you also have a very low transaction fee. If you actually work with the order book model on Ethereum, like the, the transactions can get, yeah, fees can get very high if you want to like constantly put your orders in the book, put limit orders in the book, take them out. And so it, it, the, 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 the gas fees can really scale up and we don't want to scare users off. We just want to get as much volume. And then obviously later on you can go cross chain and you can support uh, like any type of assets, but we'll just keep it strictly to to two assets because obviously you'll 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 need even if it's two assets you'll have six books for just two assets, uh, and we don't want to fragment the liquidity too much um, by by having like several books because if you have for example three maturities of thirty days, sixty days, ninety days. On Bitcoin, that Bitcoin will have three markets, three books, and then Ethereum will also have three books. So if you have like a bunch of coins that you'll be supporting, you'll have a lot of books and you'll have a lot of uh, need for liquidity. So we just want to keep it simple and just see how users will like it. 
the, the, the competitive race, the pricing mechanisms, the interest rates, um, and also just the tradable debt. So um, that, that's pretty much our goal, just get it live with not as many uh, listed assets and just see, uh, get feedback from the users. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, and that's pretty much the strategy that, that we've taken. It, it, it just like, just get something out the door that is focused and simple and, and works, and then you can iterate on it. And, you, you know, you can build out support for more assets, more more timeframes or or whatever. And you can just see what works in, in the actual market and what doesn't. Because inevitably, like, you know, there's going to be uh, some offering that's going to be much more popular than, than others, but people are going to gravitate towards yeah, for sure, for sure. Just like Thorchain, yeah. you see almost everything being on uh, a lot of Bitcoin, a lot of it being yeah. on Bitcoin. Yeah. It's really not available uh, anywhere else. Where you, you see Ethereum kind of lagging behind in, in the lending space, just in terms of like how many people are really interested in it, maybe how many people know about it. So, yeah, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense to have a focused a focused launch there. Yeah, definitely. And in the future, we can also always switch it up. We'll, we'll have a DAO, we'll have a governance system. People can vote. People can make like. Uh, certain proposals with with their lens tokens, and then we can always pivot uh, towards what the community wants because obviously that's the most important. Because the community is going to add a lot of liquidity, they're going to bring a lot of volume, and 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 they'll pretty much make or break your protocol. So I think it's important to listen to the community, um, but it's it's hard to know what the community wants uh, until you give them something to experience and, and play with, and, and and then they can make form their opinion. Cool. Yeah. So I, I I definitely like to hear about the DAO structure and like your guys. So everything that's coming up in the future, besides the actual product, uh, you guys are obviously doing an IDO sometime in the future. So yeah. any kind of details about that? Just like the the DAO, like how things are progressing. You know, from like the governance standpoint, and like you know, what is what, like what is the lens token? Like, what are you what are you guys gonna do with that? Um, I'm sure people want to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, for sure. So uh, with the lens token, obviously you you can both vote on whitelisted assets currencies and like, like any like even oracles like improving loan contract creation like uh, earning fee rebates that we'll be offering and also like steering project features and, and just evolution um uh, just your uh, straightforward like tokenomics like most protocols have as far as ideal details so most people have obviously seen on our twitter that we're going to launch at a terminal so i would definitely keep an eye on all their social channels for more information we ourselves are also waiting for uh, more information to announce an official date. So also keep our social channels in your uh, notifications or anything else. We don't miss anything about our upcoming IDO. So uh, the, the, the price will be set at two and a half cents at the IDO offering. So with a fully diluted valuation of 12.5 million, which is definitely on the lower side. We just want to keep it as low as possible to have a lot of organic growth. Um, and I, I believe the max allocation is 1k per user and they are using a lottery system but i would definitely double confirm on the uh, ape terminal side uh, itself and also obviously a lot of people are wondering about airdrops so we have some things in mind but we are not 100 sure about the uh, legality of this yet so we still need to consult with our legal team before making any uh, announcement on this but that's pretty much what you can like look forward to uh, we're also yeah, just talking to some exchanges, which yeah, I'm not sure it will or will not materialize. So that's something to look forward to as well. But uh, yeah, we are looking to launch in January. So so keep a close eye for for updates. It, it's uh, yeah, it's gonna go fast. 
Yeah, I mean it's January already. That's that's like right around the corner. If it's uh, if it's coming in January, yeah, so, definitely, uh, definitely, cool. I I can also open up to questions yeah, too. Sure, if anyone ahead. wants to come request, yeah. uh, we can we can let people up here to ask questions about lens, IDEO, uh, anything that's related to this store chain lending, uh, whatever. So yeah, sure, go ahead. Here's uh, Maxime. Connecting. Connecting. Yeah. Either way, just uh, just rewinding, just to you know how you guys have been doing over the past couple months. So, how is uh, how's growth been since just the launch of uh, of you know, your guys' main product, which is you know obviously more lending focused? How's everything been for you guys since uh, Thorfi Lending launched in like Octoberish? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, um, the past year was a little bit slow, 2023, it was, well, yeah, the mark was a little bit more bearish, but our community and just the amount of volume on our interface has absolutely exploded since, I believe, November or December. Obviously, Rune has seen a lot of positive price action, which obviously is going to influence it a lot. Rune has been, like, spoken a lot about, I think they, like, at a certain point, like, 8 x from the bottom, which is like very big for such a high market cap coin like Rune. So they, they've gotten a lot of attention. Obviously, some of it, you know, there were some uh, uh, slash rumors slash facts that some uh, hackers used Torchain to, to to swap their funds. Whether that was like positive or negative, it it it, it did bring a lot of eyes to Torchain and users are just retail finally seem to realize like hey you can like swap bitcoin to ethereum and ethereum to bitcoin or to bitcoin cash or to litecoin just to decentralize to to torchain and i feel like not a lot of people were actually like fully realizing the potential uh, and i think part of it also has to do with the, like centralized exchanges are becoming less uh, trustable you have seen a lot of uh centralized exchanges going bankrupt so where in the past they were like okay we don't need short chain we could just use a centralized exchange uh some of them but nowadays like every if you want to uh, transfer or swap big amounts of uh, assets you need to kyc with pretty much any exchange so now like i'm, I'm happy that uh people are finally realizing the potential of, of torchain and, and what it actually brings to the the DeFi space where it's like permissionless is decentralized and you can pretty much swap very efficiently be between like blockchain networks where you don't really need uh, an exchange anymore. So um, yeah, our growth has really exploded the last few months, which I'm like obviously very happy about. Awesome, yeah, that's great to hear. And uh, like I'm sure Thorify Lending has has done a lot for for that. Um, and it's it's really just good for that Thorchain ecosystem as a whole. More and more interfaces, that's just it increases the the sensor resistance of the network. It just gives users more options. As they say they don't like like one option, uh, they, they don't want to swap on this one this one DAP, this one wallet. You know, they can make the choice to say, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take out my loans here. I'm gonna manage everything on this other one. And if they make it some kind of decision I don't like or whatever, then you have the freedom and choice to do whatever you want. Yeah, and like some some people like offer like uh, uh, or transact fees. For swaps, some do it for lending, some uh, like don't do it for any type of uh, transactions. So obviously that also has a lot to do with what uh, interface they're gonna go with. 
I think in the end, obviously, all of the protocols are going to like charge some type of fee, uh, which is going to be higher or lower depending on the interface, because you, you just get so much traffic. And uh, at a certain point, you need to also like capitalize on that, earn some revenue for your own interface. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like super happy that it's like really uh, uh, catching on and everybody's realizing the potential of it. Brought up uh, Professor to Crypto. What's up? Hey, guys. So appreciate you know, I had a couple of quick little questions. One, I know you've been uh, live for a couple of months now. Do you have any examples of uh, revenue that you brought in from your loans? Yeah. So as of now, we have a 0% fee on like any type of lending. So we, we haven't brought in any revenue. It's strictly uh, through our fundraising that uh, we've done for our, for our seed round and private round. Uh, reason being that we haven't like set any fees yet is we strictly wanted to capitalize on getting as many users as possible because we we noticed like Torchain was getting a lot of eyes and uh, people are naturally going to gravitate towards paying zero fees. So we thought, okay, this is a good moment to capitalize on getting a lot of new users. And once you've pretty much like familiarized those users with your platform, they're very uh, it is not likely that they will leave if, if, if they have transacted on your platform uh, previously and it was a positive experience. And later when we turn on fees, when maybe like there will be less volume in the future or, or, or less uh, traffic, anything can happen, Bitcoin can drop again, it will rise again. But that's pretty much how the market works. Then we've already retained those users and we haven't launched yet. So we thought also this would be a good time to get as much eyes on ourselves for the upcoming IDO for the upcoming launch of our peer-to-peer -peer lending module. Um, and then later on, we'll turn on fees and we can share more about that. All right, well, that's why I, I saw the 0%, but I mean, my, my the, the reason why I asked was kind of the question is, you know, obviously to sustain the project, you keep it going, you gotta bring in revenue. So when you turn on those fees, obviously you're not, you can't give numbers right now what you're gonna charge, but what's the plan for the project to use those fees to support liquidity and the investors in the chart? Is there is there gonna be a breakdown where part of those fees are gonna be used to to go on the chart as buybacks or how is that going to work? Yeah, so we haven't really strictly made any type of uh, plan or graph how we're going to use the fees or revenue to support the price action. Uh, we've obviously, uh, we're, we're going to share the revenue. That is certain, but we haven't made any concrete plans for actually buying back the tokens or, or doing any type of burns because like obviously burns, like we've seen it with a lot of protocols, it doesn't really work that well. Buybacks does work in my opinion but obviously how much of the revenue should you use for buyback how much should you distribute towards the token holders and how much should you actually use for your own treasury um that's something we'll have to like sit down and and decide later on but we haven't made a concrete plan for that yet so that's not going to be decided before you guys launch the token uh, you mean actually like the 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 the, the revenue sharing model uh, that will be live, but not before we we actually launch our token. So we, it's um, I mean it's it's not that deep. Uh, you have a lot of protocols that are doing something similar. Some have higher percentages, some have lower percentages. I could give you arbitrary numbers right now, but like obviously I'm not 100% sure if we're actually gonna uh, materialize or are just gonna go with those exact numbers. So it can be higher, it can be lower, but it's it's definitely something that is going to be implemented. But I, I just wouldn't know the exact numbers on the top of my head because I might be contradicting myself if we do something slightly different in the future. No, I understand. I'm just I'm just concerned for, for project longevity. Like for example, I'm not gonna say names of projects, but I'm often 
several projects where they use one of them uses 100% of the revenue generated from their swap to buy back and, and vault the token tokens. And the other one that just launched about two months ago is, is taking about 60% of that revenue. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's in my opinion, I, you know, from my experience, that's, that's really what drives the project for the long term. Yeah, so you're more in favor of the 100% buyback of the revenue. Uh, buyback and vault. All right, yeah, good morning. Yeah, not necessarily burn. You might need those tokens later on. But yeah, I mean, that, those are the projects that are that are growing even through the bear market because they're using that pure revenue and putting it back on the chart, locking those tokens up. Okay, that's I hope that, that's I, I interesting. Yeah. I'm just questioning the question if you're going to share that information before launch, you know, or is it something that you're going to debate after launch because... You know, that's I, I want to see this project be successful. I'm sure it will be. Yeah, um, I mean, it's very good that you brought it up. We'll um, we'll make sure we'll announce that information before our launch. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if we can do 100 percent. 60 percent seems like a, a, a big number. It's something we had in mind. But but uh, from what you're saying is like 60 percent is, is wasn't sufficient to support the price as is that the conclusion I can no, make no, based no. on you? I'm just giving examples. Ah, okay, okay, okay. No, well, yeah, definitely. This is good feedback. We'll make sure we'll, we'll announce the information before launch. All right. And uh, one thing just to point out on this side is that you, um, the ThorChain protocol, you can actually specify an affiliate fee for for uh, new lend uh, for for new loans yet, right? So yeah, that's something that will be coming in Q1 most uh, most likely. Uh, that's something that you know a lot of other interfaces have requested too. Obviously, it's some kind of origination fee for taking out a loan. So even if you wanted to today, you couldn't you couldn't even take a a fee on uh, a new loan right now. It's just not in the protocol yet. Uh, but that is something that is coming to Thorchain, and then obviously something that. That lens can capitalize on in the future and any other uh, lending interface. I mean, it just comes down to how is the project going to make money? I mean, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. yeah. So obviously through, through the torsion affiliate fees, and we'll also have a interest fee like rebate on the peer-to-peer -peer lending module. So we won't charge any fees for borrowers. So borrowers can come onto a protocol. They can borrow any amount of money. Obviously they pay the interest to the lender, but they won't pay any like fee. To, to our protocol. Uh, we will charge a 10% fee on any lending activity. So let's say you want to lend out 100K. Um, so initially for a transaction for lending out your 100K, we won't charge any fee. But if you earn, let's say 3K, we'll charge 10% of that 3K. So we'll only charge a fee on the interest that you'll be earning. So we'll charge $300 on the 3K that you'll be earning. So let's say we have 10 million in interest that is earned on our protocol. We'll charge 10% of that. So we'll be earning like 1 million in that scenario. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. Cool, thanks. Uh, Eric Culverson, hey. All right, <clears throat> good morning. I just had two questions, guys. Um, one was if you guys were planning on extending the length of the loans, so like the maturity, like having it longer than 90 days? Oh, I didn't know if you guys extended it already because the last time I checked, I thought it was, it said a month, like 30 days. Yeah. So we actually tested that on the test net and we figured out that some of the, like, let's say if the APYs were like low, 
it would be you'd be earning almost nothing in, in a day or seven days so we're like okay that's a little bit less uh realistic so we've changed it to like 30 days 60 days 90 days beautiful and then the next question is um <clears throat> were you guys going to plan on kind of upscaling it so that people could possibly buy um assets like houses to generate in uh more money and revenue that could possibly like start connecting um like physical assets revenue wise into the project like real life assets off-chain assets um no because my mindset I i'm big into real estate and so my thing was is I'm trying to find a way to where I can utilize decentralized finance and your guys' services to acquire real estate and whether I start, you know, donating or whatever it is with revenue uh, created from houses or rent or mortgages to contribute to the project. So leverage your lending to buy houses in real life or the other way? the other way i'm i'm the one okay. that's buying the house okay um so that's something extremely interesting we do need to partner with like institutional partners to have that materialize which is like really hard for DeFi protocols when it comes to like regulation and especially regulation in the real estate industry so um so some of our team is still based in europe we are looking to migrate to dubai which like we will migrate and it could mean that some of those offerings uh, we can materialize. But uh, as of now, no, I, I could not tell you confidently that that will be possible. Definitely not now. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Cool. I had someone else uh, that was up here, but I guess they dropped off. Um, is there other people that want to come on and ask questions about, about Lens? or door chain lending, or just, I guess, anything in general. Here's a Mr. Barraford. Hey, Chad. How's it going, guys? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. So I, I thought I'd come up and just talk about, like, the future of lending for ThorChain, which obviously is relating to lens. And I thought people might be interested in kind of hear that kind of dialogue. Is that, is that, does that work? Yeah, I, I also have a request. So a, a lot of our current community, uh, and like I, I'm like 100% confident I couldn't explain it as well as you, but a lot of our community, and I'm like I'm going a lot uh, back and forth with, with our community that that they believe that uh, Torchain is earning a lot of revenue, is earning a lot of money, but they believe it's a Ponzi. They believe it will unfold at a certain point. But like, obviously, I'm trying to convince them that it's not the case. Like, Torchain has certain risk parameters set in place. Uh, and obviously, uh, everything has risk attached to it. But uh, perhaps if you could explain, maybe in a very simplistic manner, how Torchain is offering like zero interest or um, and zero liquidation loans. Uh, yeah, I would really appreciate it if, yeah, if finally comes from somebody directly from the Torchain core team. And I'm sure some of our community is, is listening right now. And it is also being recorded. So I can always refer to this uh, Torchain spaces. Uh, yeah. So I guess the question is, is like, why is Thorchain lending not a Ponzi? That's basically the question is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
how do I how do I put this? You think about this question. Um, so the reason why it's not a, not a Ponzi is because um, it doesn't require like Ponzi's generally re- require growth for them to work, right? In general, like in any Ponzi, it, it just like you have somebody who starts it and then they usually create like a, a a pyramid scheme in most common cases. And in order for it to perpetuate itself, it needs it needs just more people to participate. And or and if you defeat if you don't get that, then the whole thing basically collapses. That's not how obviously how this works. Like it doesn't matter. I mean, it's beneficial to the protocol, I guess, if, if more people open loans, obviously, because that's why we did it. Like, you know, you want people to open loans because it provides value to the protocol. But it doesn't work. Re- the protocol itself doesn't require anybody to, like, you know, more and more people to, to enter in order for the thing to stay afloat. <laughs> that's, there's no none of that. And generally, there's also in Pon- Ponzi's, like, somebody's winning. In a Ponzi scheme, somebody's making mad fucking money at the, t- at the top of the Ponzi. In which case, in this, in this, because the borrower, uh, the lender is the protocol itself, it actually is nobody. There's there's nobody at the top. It's not certainly not my wallet or anybody else for that matter. Um, and even the protocol itself is not like, you know, walking away with a huge amount of money either because it's got a zero percent interest rate, right? It's not gaining an interest from the borrowers. So, um, I, I'd be harder pressed to think of think of reasons of why it is a Ponzi. I mean, if somebody wants to challenge me on this go ahead and, and and challenge me on it but but there's just nobody at the top of it there's just nobody that i don't know benefiting from it other than just the, the general rune holders as, as collectively as a whole everybody equally there's no like one person has better access than another person like all the like the general calling cards what you generally associate to be a ponzi like none of that's you know none of that's here <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not sure why somebody would consider to be a ponzi to be honest with you yeah, I agree. Uh, we have one requested uh, person to speak. Maybe he has a question. Uh, what was the name? Shuck Boss. Are you there? He might not be there. But yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do agree with you. I think um, so. Obviously, Torchain is earning some yield from the like liquidity position um, when people deposit. But it's yeah, I think it's just a very uh complicated concept to but that's but that that's just like all right thorchain is offering a service and it's just getting fees for for operating that service you can't call something that's like hey we're going to provide this service and the service provide and you know it has an income right because it's you know we're providing a service we want to get paid for providing a service that's obviously not a point that's just that's just like a product or service (laughs) or a protocol in this case right so it's just it's not so much like it's not like an LLM, an MLM, you know, fucking multi-layer, you know, that kind of shit. Like, I don't know. It just, it, it, to me, it's just like, it's offering a really good service, a very valuable service. Yes, there's fees you pay when you when you enter, when you exit. Um, but that's just like, you know, everything else in the world. <laughs> literally, literally everything else is that, is that way. So Yeah. yeah I, I think a lot of people are just traumatized by, by Anchor, but, but a lot of people don't realize Anchor was like, Anchor was like partially uh, subsidizing the borrowing rate. So like me personally, I never touched yeah. Anchor, but it's like, yeah, people like get it like commingled a lot. Right. Know? That's That was different because like, and I never touched Anchor personally either. I, I stayed away from, from terror personally, but like, but uh, that's different because, like, you're propping up something through artificial mechanisms, right? Yeah. Like, rather than just letting the market dictate, you know, conditions, right? Or such, or like, with the with the uh, 
interest rates were or whatever. You're, you're like you're artificially doing it to to try to pump the UST's um, market cap in effect, right? So it's just like obviously that's very that's very different than this. Like we 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 have no artificial anything going on here. No, I agree. I agree. There are some people that have joined the chat. Do anybody want to ask a question? I think there were like four people that, that want to speak. Yeah, may I? Sure, go ahead. Yes, I would like to take over uh, about the question of the Ponzi <clears throat> and make the voice of the community. I don't think uh, the community is much worried that Torchain is a Ponzi because clearly as a Chad uh, describe it is clearly not and is all on chain <clears throat> and there is no winner or no loser i think the problem and the insecurity is more about uh, uh, um spiral down that could happen so like uh, luna style in the case um, now is all good because when people open loans um runa is uh, market uh, buy and burned but the problem is when the uh, the bull market is finished and um, the and the organically uh, rune price gonna drop as uh, bitcoin ethereum and so on uh, eventually even drastically if there is a issue like uh, the last uh, time uh, with uh, ftx and uh, luna and so on so in that case if people gonna close the loan at the top and no new loan are taken during because also it doesn't make a sense to take a loan when your set is going down even if is no liquidation on it but it doesn't make much sense to leverage your uh, crypto using a collateral and borrowing uh, usd so in that case, if a lot of loans are closed, meanwhile the room prices are dropping, it could uh, spiral down and uh, broke the protocol. That's I think uh, what uh, the community worry about. Yeah. So the, the way that I think about that um, is is a few things. So the first thing is that um, in a bear market like what you're painting here, there's very little activity in crypto relative to a bull market. And that just like that includes just swaps and trades and people buying or selling or opening loans, closing loans on any lending protocol. Just like there's the general activity of the of the market is like more activity in bull markets, less activity in, in bear markets, right? I think that's something we can all universally agree upon. And that in itself creates asymmetry, right? And that you're gonna have more activity in the bull markets and less activity in the bear markets. Bear markets where there's risk for the protocol. Bull, bull markets is where there's benefit for the protocol. So if, if you have an asymmetry behavior in those two scenarios, then it doesn't really matter if people are closing loans in, in the bear markets because you're going to get more in the bull markets, right? And all you really care about is over a long period of time, you know, are we, are we net moving in, in the right direction, right? Over, you know, not like in the day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week or month, even month-to-month, -month, just but like through a super cycle. Right. So in general, you're just going to have less activity in both in bear markets and therefore have less risk to, to be concerned about. But even let's just say, put that aside for a moment. And let's just say you open up a loan for two thousand dollars, like your collateral is two thousand dollars and your debt's like a thousand. Right. And then we go into a bear market. But your bear market's not like your collateral has not gone down in value to, to under a thousand dollars. Let's say it's gone down to 
$1,200. The collateral is now worth $1,200 instead of $2,000. And you want to close your loan to bear market. And because, you know, Bitcoin is, you know, outperform rune, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to net mint some rune. But you're only going to net mint the differential between the debt and the collateral value. Because you're burning the debt and you're minting the collateral. So in this case, we're burning $1,000 of rune. And we're minting a thousand two hundred. So really, you're only minting about two hundred bucks in that scenario, right? So even if you haven't gotten to the point where the debt, the collateral is worth less than the debt, and then at that case, that's actually not not even a liability anymore. It's actually it's actually an asset at that time for 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 rune for the protocol. If you were to close a loan when the collateral is worth eight hundred and the debt's worth a thousand, you would actually net burn two hundred bucks of rune. Right. So you wouldn't actually even increase the price. You have to decrease the price in that scenario. But if it's the inverse of that, where it's the, the debt, the collateral is worth twelve hundred and the debt's worth a thousand, then you're going to net mint two hundred bucks. But because it's only two hundred bucks, not a thousand dollars. Right. It's you know significantly less. Right. So there's a there's a multitude of systems in place. And, and we'll and we'll see if 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 I'm correct. I think I am. I'm fairly confident I am. But I, I you know, who knows? I could be wrong. And we'll find out in the next bear market, you know, the actual behavior. My 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 assumption is that yes, there's going to be loans that are going to be closing in bear markets, and yes, those loans will probably net mint some room. And I don't really care about that to be honest, just because I know that the that the like the long term kind of more high level viewpoint don't look at it as a loan by loan problem. Look at it as a, like the net on the protocol as a whole. And over the, over the net, you're going to say we're going to be net moving in the right direction. Um, that's just how how I look at it. Yeah, and I, I also think a major problem arises when like larger Telegram or Twitter accounts spread rumors and fear like or like either like uncertainty and doubt without thoroughly like researching the the torturing documentation or asking like specific questions it's like a very common but unfounded question which you've like answered like many times probably chat is like why isn't this a ponzi scam like however most of these concerns can be easily addressed by simply reviewing the available documents like torchain is very transparent about the potential risks and like many like legitimate Questions such as the mechanisms behind zero interest and, and like avoidance of liquidations like are clarified upon closer examination of the documentation. And I think this misunderstanding often leads to skepticism about like seemingly uh, impossible claims that Torchin is making. But yeah, I, I do have some like questions um, to you, Chad. Like is swap order books something that is happening in the near future? And, and when do you think the arbitrum, uh, our arbitrum chain will be added if it will be added. Obviously, if there's enough uh, incentive for that. Sorry, was the first question you said about when are we going to have limit orders? Is that the first yeah. question? Uh, so, we just today just put together the the list of like Q four, sorry Q one twenty twenty four goals. In which case, um, limit orders is in that in that list. Whether it actually gets delivered or not in Q1 or not, you know, remains to be seen, obviously. But targeted for this quarter would be memoless transactions and and um, limit orders targeted for. We'll probably do memoless transactions first, so that's more likely to get done, you know, in the next, like, um, you know, month or so. But I'm hoping by the end of Q1, we'll have limit orders out and running on mainnet. That's, that's great to hear. And um, 
Yeah. If not, if not Q1, then definitely Q2. Like I'll, I'll, I'll push hard and make sure it's done by end of Q2. But I think hopefully it'll get done in Q1. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, some sometimes storage and delays, but it's it's for good reasons. Like the like security of the protocol is like probably the the most important uh, bullet point that like uh, Torchon should adhere to. And uh, I was also right. wondering about the uh, structure of the affiliate fees for for savings and loans, like specifically. Will they be a percentage of profit earned by savers and a, and, a, and a percentage of the capital for for lending, or, or how is that going to look? There's been some like interesting dialogue or discussion around how affiliate fees will work for savers, and there's been some push. I know, like I think Thor Swap has been kind of pushing for this, for example, of like not taking any um, any kind of um, affiliate fee on the entrance of a savers position and just taking it off the exit and then taking off of the yield of the exit so if you earned you know a thousand dollars whatever then it'll take 30 bips or 50 bips mm -hmm. or whatever the thing is on the thousand dollars that you earned and not the you know ten thousand dollars that you deposited to begin with right yeah and i i think that's a great idea because obviously it's it's people won't lose money up front and they're yeah. like a lot more eager to deposit large amounts and they can withdraw whenever they want and, and they'll be confident that they will always keep their initial investment compared to just like they need to have their assets deposit for 30 days before they get their initial back so i, I definitely think that's a great uh, idea and then you could even increase the the bips uh, if it's too low but yeah that can always be discussed I think technically that's like, I think it's technically possible to have that behavior today in your UI. Like you can just like not charge on, don't put your affiliate fee to zero on a deposit. Then on a withdrawal from savers, you can calculate, you know, how much uh, yield they've had, like a thousand dollars, right? Out of the 10,000 deposit. And then say you want 30 bips of that thousand. And you just, you just said, instead of putting 30 bips, you would put, you know, uh, I don't know the exact number top of my head, but like you'd put two bips, which would equal to 30 bips of the thousand or, or whatever the hell the number would actually be. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's possible. I think it's possible to do it now. I don't, I don't think it really requires a code change per se. Yeah, clear. And then uh, about the Arbitrum chain, is, have you heard anything about that? Is there any incentive? Is there any uh, attraction regarding that? Since it's a very big deep my chain. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No. Um, in in a high level, I'm open more or less to, to to any chain, depending upon some cases and scenarios. But like, there hasn't been much dialogue with the Arbitrum team. Um, I know we have some connections there. I don't know if Kyle wants to kind of reach out and get a temperature check on them, but we have some connections over there. Um, I mean, I mean, at a high level, I'd I'd, I'd probably be down to do something like that, I guess, because they do have a lot of volume. Like, we just posted this Twitter thing, and maybe I'll just like share it. Um, let me find it, find it, and share it on the. Um, do, 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 where did the thing go? Yeah, uh, while you're going for that, Chad. Uh, yeah, my my team I know is integrating Arbitrum like imminently. I think with like within the next like week or two. Uh, like very imminently, they're going to have Arbitrum. And I think that'll be a good gauge to see whether it'll be really beneficial or, or not, whether it'll have liquidity or not. We, yeah, we never did an ETH L2 before. And obviously, it's up to the nose whether they want to support that or not. So like, it really is just up to whether there will be volume or not. And there's definitely no better gauge than to see whether uh, my protocol would have 
a lot of Arbitrum volume or not. But I, I think there's been some hesitancy around just adding ETH L2s kind of uh, just off the rip, just because we already have ETH L1. And you know, we, we really don't know which are going to be like the long-term successful ETH L2s. Yeah, it's hard. With any kind of certainty. Yeah, it is hard because like um, there is there is a lot of things to be con- like concerned about, not concerned about, but be um, um, cautious, conscious of. And like things, for example, like operational, when we add a new chain, like, you know, Arbitrum, we have to add more infrastructure to the nodes, right? And some nodes have increased their cost of operation and hopefully they get enough yield from that chain to offset the operational costs for the nodes which is you know probably not probably fairly significant for l2s because they're they're more computationally like intense infrastructure that's one thing to be concerned to be aware of the second thing is that like we don't actually have to do arbitrum directly we can do it through ethereum like we can connect to arbitrum through ethereum and then you know carry on so it's like it's possible to connect without having a direct connection, right? And then there's benefit to that too of like, we only have so much security that we can hold in our network any given time. We can't just add every chain underneath the sun and then expect them all to be, you know, uh, deep pools. That's probably just not practical, right? And it's not in the current moment. Maybe if, maybe in five or 10 years, you know, when Rune's price is much higher than it is now. You know that that becomes more practical, but in the current moment, like we can't just add every chain on the sun and then expect there to be enough liquidity and depth to those pools to make them, you know, usable or like or very, you know, very um, efficient systems, right? So, and not to mention that, like we that like we also have like most of the spot trading in crypto, it's Bitcoin, right? And so you have this really like this. Um, um, reduction in value for every chain that you add to Thorchain, the next chain you add will probably have less and less and less and less value contributed. And then you also have to deal with the complexities around like, well, we have to build the chain client. We have to launch the infrastructure. We have to maintain that code base. We have to deal with outages and like, you know, problems that that, that chain like have. We've like, and that's been a huge drain of our resources as a, as a dev team. Like we we don't get things delivered like new features or whatever be in part because we're like in the, in the trenches dealing with AVAX inscription fucking nightmares and other things. Right. So it's like, there's a cost there's a heavy cost to adding new chains in general. And we have to be weary not to just like YOLO, let's just add all the chains and everything will be fine. No, it's not that simple. And then if we can like inundate ourselves with, with operational costs, with maintenance costs, with outages, with, like all sorts of things if we just if we overdo it yeah yeah i i also want to ask you some questions like regarding potential ids for like peer-to-peer lending order book like potentially integrating it with with torchain one of our main concern is the wait times you you can't wait long to to liquidate positions like are there like any potential torchain specific mechanisms that we can like leverage to expedite uh, liquidations like like real time monitoring tools or, or alerts to like facilitate quicker um, responses. Sorry, liquidations of what? Of of like assets. Like let's say we uh, like with our peer to peer lending order book. Like you have a specific like liquidation that uh, obviously right now we're going to launch our peer to peer lending order book on Arbitrum uh, because of the low transaction fees. And then obviously you have mm-hmm. like uh, the assets that are supported in Arbitrum, which is like wrapped Bitcoin. But if we, let's say we want to implement real Bitcoin. 
one of the bottlenecks that we're dealing with is, is the, the potential wait times to, to liquidate uh, positions. So you, you can't wait long to, to liquidate positions. And obviously, Torchain has some uh, wait times. Is, is there any like possible mechanisms we can like uh, leverage to, to uh, fasten or expedite liquidations? If you wanted to, like, if you had some Bitcoin and you wanted to dump yeah. it in, you know, look at it. Yeah. Um, well, the only thing that you're concerned about in this scenario, predominantly, is just the inbound uh, speed. Yeah. Right. Because the outbound speed, like the swapper clout and whatnot, like that doesn't really matter for you because it's already liquid. Exactly. Point, right. So you really care about the inbound stuff. And the inbound stuff really at that point is mostly just conf confirmation counting. Um, and so we've recently changed confirmation counting um, a bit. And, and, and the two ways we've changed is one, we have um, set a max confirmation count of six for Bitcoin, right? So you won't get anything, you won't wait any more than six blocks, no matter how, how large the amount is. Uh, and the second thing is we've, we've developed a lever that we can pull upon to increase or rather decrease the confirmation count. Yes. Right to make it to make that fast. So, so we have the we have the tools that in, in our in our tool belt, so to speak, to be able to adjust things. If we find that we if if Thorchain's volume were to 10x tomorrow, right, and we were doing like a billion a billion trade volume a day, and we find that confirmation counting is really just being you know difficult, especially for Bitcoin and whatnot, then we can change uh, the confirmation counting to be to be less sensitive collectively as a community, not not me, but collectively as a community. So um, the other option though, is like using, you know, this newer feature called trade accounts. Um, but that would require a much larger conversation, which we probably don't have time to get into now. Yeah, let's not yeah. go into that now, but Chad, I, I, one of the things you were talking about earlier, just like lending in general and kind of the lending going forward. So I, yeah, I don't want to, like, I want to keep this little focused around just, um, you know, lending and, and lens and stuff like that. So it isn't just, you know, kind of all over the place discussion, but of course. I definitely want to hear about, um, you know, what, what you're thinking about lending just kind of over the next year or, or two, like, you know, what is the, the roadmap for lending in that, that direction? What are you thinking? Yeah. The, there's three major things in my mind for lending and, and how it's going to shift over the, the next like 12 months or whatever. Um, the first thing is like changing the way we do our cap. And the way that I'm thinking about changing it to from the current methodology is that we would just set community, we would just set some number. Let's just say that number is 50 million rune. I don't know. I'm making up a number right now, but just, you know, some number. And we say 50 million rune is like the maximum amount of rune that we're willing to mint, right, back, right? So you can, you can burn as much as you want. You can burn 100 million if you want to. But we only actually mint back 50, 50 million right and um total and so um by doing so it 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 caps the risk of the protocol can take on because if it, if if the collateral value is exceeds so the derived asset value more accurately exceeds 50 million rune anybody who wants to liquidate their derived asset either or close their loan um would just get a haircut right pay an extra fee and, and how much that fee is relative, like how much beyond the 50 million we're talking about here. And that just, just shifts the, the, the risk away from the protocol and onto the borrower in, in effect. Right. And so it caps our, 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 the liability or the risk of lending, you know, having some sort of, um, uh, 
cataclysmic event just because the risk is taken off of the wedding protocol itself. And so I'm, I think I'm down to doing that. And the, the main reason why I really like that idea, um, what gets me most excited about it is that it, it's actually an interesting concept because it would, if there was some sort of a bank run of some kind or, you know, something like that, Black Swan are then triggering a bank, uh, a bank run. The weight of the bank run actually solves the issue. Like the bank, the act of the bank run running actually closes the bank run. Like it actually makes the bank run end in a sense. Uh, and so I like that system because it just like, it's a, it's an actual strong solution to like, how do you counter a bank run? And that's actually definitively really a clear way to do it. So it, so it removes bank run like risk from the protocol and it removes, you know, minting a lot of extra rune from the protocol. And I think that's just probably a safer way of going at it in general. That's the first thing. The second thing I'm really down to do is, is set the, the CR just to be a static 200% for min and max. So it's just like LTV is always going to be 50%, just static like that. And the reason why I want to do that is because it's much less risky for the protocol to do a 200% CR than it is a 500% CR. And there's a whole list of reasons why that is, and maybe I don't, maybe I shouldn't get too much in the weeds, but it just makes lending a lot less risky for the pro, for the protocol. We also get less value out of each loan that's open. The, the protocol benefits less from that, from those loans than it does from a 500% CR, which I'm okay with. Like, I think that that's fine. Like if we're willing to scale lending to be, you know, 50 million room, whatever the hell it is, then I'm, then I'm okay with that scenario. And I'm actually very okay with like, um, the risk of lending in that scenario as well. Like people think people are scared of lending in a way, right? And people are scared of like the algo stable in a way, thinking that those things are, are the risky thing. Honestly, it's not, it's not even close. The riskiest thing to lend to Thorchain right now is not lending, it is not derived assets, it is not the algo stable, it's actually savers. Savers is actually the most risky um, like protocol or, or feature to the protocol, to, to Thorchain than anything else. But, and I would argue a really good margin. Right, which is something I want to um, fix in, in Q1. But like, I think that's what I want to see. I want to see two percent CR, just hard locked. You know, LTV fifty percent, just set there. And then the third thing we, we we can do is just add more assets for collateral. Right now it's just Bitcoin, ETH. We could add Doge. We could add BNB. We could add Avax. You know, yada 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 yada. And we could add more 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 uh, collateral assets. To the network, but not Rune. Rune. Rune probably should not be included in that list of collateral. Yeah, hi guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, basically, I just wanted to clarify based from everything what Chad just said. So, basically, the whole model kind of works like this. So, if there is any net positive of collateral, so that positive amount it pays retail investors because you you're selling an additional amount of room to cover that amount if it's net negative then the collateral owner space for it is it correct sorry can you say that again i'm not sure if i followed uh, you. okay so basically like if let's say a person he takes a loan he provides collateral and etc etc so what happens if this collateral let's say becomes net positive and you're talking let's say like 50 percent, maybe even more and he decides to make a claim so this extra uh net worth it's paid by the retail investors because you're selling room to cover that additional amount. Is it correct? Yeah. So in a hypothetical, somebody opens a loan with, with Bitcoin as their collateral. Bitcoin 
outperforms Rune by, you know, 50% or whatever the hell it is. Um, the extra Rune required to, to be able to, to acquire the, the collateral value, the purchasing power required to get the collateral value back would effectively come from Rune holders because it would, it would net, net mint a bunch of Rune to, and sell that Rune to acquire the Bitcoin, uh, this particular person's um, loan. Correct. Okay. And then one more thing, which I would like to clarify. So for instance, um, if it happens the case, so you have a certain algorithm in place. So if let's say that, uh, just give me a minute, I'll try to formulate. Um, pop, 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 pop. Okay. So basically like in theory, how everything works. So you, you let the price of collateral to fluctuate from point A to point B. And if it happens the case that let's say the price reaches B amount, so let's assume like Bitcoin price increased by 20%. Are you then exchanging all the Rune collateral to uh, Bitcoin or are you keeping in Rune and you're only making the exchange when the person decides to claim his full collateral? Yeah, nothing's happening while the loan is open. Events only occur when they open the loan or when they close the loan. Anything in between those two points in time, nothing's happening. Okay, understood. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So biggest changes being the collateralization ratio change to two hundred percent, which I'm sure we'll need to go. You know, I'm sure there's going to be. Uh, you know, people discussing that and, you know, whether that's something that they want to move towards. I, I totally see the, the, the point of that where um, it's kind of like what you said earlier, where it's like if, um, you know, if, if you give two thousand dollars of uh, if you give a thousand dollars of collateral and then it uh, and, and you get back five hundred dollars, then when once your um, debt value is below five hundred dollars, you're never going to repay that loan. So having the, the 200 percent collateralization ratio makes it it definitely does make it safer for the uh for the bear market of just like things right things drop down and then you're never incentivized to repay where if, it, if you only got 25 percent of the debt value back uh you know with a uh what would that be a 400 percent collateralization ratio then it then the your your collateral needs to drop that much more in order for you to, to not be incentivized to pay it back. Right. So if you had two scenarios where everybody had a 2% CR and another scenario where everybody had a 300% CR and then you went to the bear market, the percentage of loans that would be where their collateral would be underneath their the, the debt would be much higher in the 200% scenario than in the 300% scenario, right? And because of that, the liability on the protocol is actually much, much less. In fact, those loans that are below the value of the, the collaterals below the debt it's not a, it, it, it's no longer a liability it's literally removed as a liability it's now an asset for the protocol and so you can look at the numbers of like how much risk the protocol is taking on and you will actually find in a bear market that as we get down like the prices go down you'll see the liability increase 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 and then you'll see it like level out and then start increasing, even though the prices continue to die, runes continue to go down, Bitcoin continues to go down, blah, 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 blah. You will see like a natural thing happen where like it'll level off and then the liability will start increasing, increasing. Uh, sorry, the, li the liability will start decreasing, decreasing and decreasing during the bear market, which is counterintuitive. Um, but that's all because as more loans get closer and closer to that kind of flipping from the collateral value um, being below the debt value, the, the liability is decreasing, 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 and then all of a sudden it becomes an asset and it becomes counter to the liability. 
brought up uh, BCBUUD. Oh, can you hear me? From the community. Hey. Yep. I was wondering, in the far future, do you guys plan on, like, assisting other DEXs to support Monero, like an aggregator? Or are you guys planning on, like, developing and integrating Monero into the ThorChain protocol? Um, I would love to see Monero added personally. That's something I've been talking about for a long time, and it's just never been a priority. We are now working on an EDDSA um, component to our threshold signatures, which would, it's a step in the right direction of Monero. It's also a right, step in the right direction of Solana and other other chains like Cardano and whatnot. Um, but yes, if we were to add Monero to the network, we would, we'd, that would also inherently be connected to other Dex, other DEXs in the world, like, you know, Trader Joe or whatever the hell other ones out there are. Um, and so they would be able to access Monero um, through, a, through a trade on their, their platform. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, and yeah, Tarun, anything, any of the closing thoughts that you want to say just about, about Lens or just anything that's uh, upcoming for you guys? Uh, I think I covered most aspects. I'm really happy that Chad joins as well and just cleared up some uh, stuff regarding like the, the lending futures of, of Torchain. But uh, yeah, just keep our uh, social channels uh, in the back of your mind. So we'll, we'll be announcing the audio soon. It's going to be hosted on Ape Terminal, but yeah, we don't know the exact date yet. But uh, as soon as we do, we'll we'll announce it as soon as possible. So yeah, just keep that, uh, keep keep the social channels and your notifications, and then we'll we'll launch uh, shortly. Awesome, man! Can't wait to look out for that. And uh, yeah, we'll, I'll keep an eye on everything that's related. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have one more question up here, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Grok Enjoyer. Hey. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yep, we can hear you. In Lens, we can hear you typing as well. Oh, apologies. Apologies. Great, thank you. I've got three quick questions. Um, first one, I was wondering, um, oh, sorry, I've just got. Oh, there we go. Okay. So first, I was wondering uh, about the collateral. Sorry, feedback. So uh, the CR about loans, I've heard it a few times mentioned to be changed to 200%. I was wondering if that's just an idea still or if that's actually going to happen. The second question I was wondering is, uh, are we going to have access to more loans soon? Because uh, the Bitcoin ones are pretty full right now. So I was wondering if there's a plan for increasing the cap or if we're waiting for the price for that to happen. And third question, I've been wondering about the change to savers for a while, about how uh, it will be, uh, for example, someone takes out a savers position at the height of the bull, that savers position seems kind of risky going into the bear because they don't have the disincentive to not redeem later on. So I was wondering if a solution for savers has been figured out yet. and um what sort of uh i i guess i'm worried about the simplicity of savers in that they don't have the mental burden of having to to worry about risks whereas everyone else has a risks uh when savers are involved so i was wondering you know if there is a definite solution or if you guys are still floating around ideas for what to do with savers thank you 
Yeah, uh, to answer your, your three questions. Number one was about the 2% um, CR. That's not definitive. Um, that's just my personal recommendation when I'm advocating for in the community. Um, I, I haven't heard much pushback from that. I don't think anybody has kind of argued against me or, you know, in this regard. But that's something that I've just been advocating for. It's not definitive. We need to do probably do an ADR on this topic if we were to do it and just take a vote from the operators to determine if we're actually going to make that change or not. But my recommendation is to do so just because I'm willing to trade more less value for the protocol, less gain for the protocol when loans are opened in, in order to acquire less risk for the protocol and bear markets and that stuff and that such. Um, that's that. The second question you asked was about um, what was the second question? I kind of forget now. It was, uh, do we wait for the rune price to go up for more loans to be taken out or is the cap no. going to be increased? Um, I think there's actually like a bug with ThorSwap's UI where it wasn't allowing Bitcoin loans to be opened when there actually is space. And I think last time I looked, there's like, I think we're like 70% full on the um, on the, the the lending cap as it is now. So I don't think we actually need to increase it at this particular moment. But um, that said, my my recommendation to the community is that we we switch the capping mechanism from its current mechanism to that thing I mentioned earlier about just like setting some quantity of rune, let's just call the number fifty million um, arbitrarily right now, and 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 cap it that way. Right. And so if it if it exceeds the the, the liability of the derived assets exceeds fifty million rune, then when we when we burn the derived asset back into rune there's like a haircut that is applied to those individuals that they can choose to take or choose not to take by either, you know, closing their derived asset or, or, or not. Right. Um, that becomes uh, a way to, to scale it. Um, and we can scale it you know, 50 million rune, hundred million rune, 500 million rune, like you can go as high as, you know, high as you want to, but the community would just have to determine like how much, how much risk do we want to take on with this thing? And then we just kind of move that cap as we feel, confident about the lending uh, design in general. Um, and then the third question you had was about uh, savers, I think, right? Um, savers, like I said, mentioned earlier, like to me, savers is the, the most risky component of ThorChain. And I would, and I, much more so than, than the algo stable or the, or lending or these things. And, and it's for the reason that you're talking about that you referenced here that like, and especially when it came, I was less concerned about this. And then we added stable savers. And that, to me, was really significantly increasing the amount of risk that that Savers is applying to the protocol, right? And that's what's which is why I started talking about, um, you know, since 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 circuit breakers written this, this kind of stuff back then, and I've been still advocating for it. And I'm hopefully we're going to see this done in in Q1. But the 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 design that I'm advocating for at this at this time that I would recommend to the community is similar to that same mechanism for derived assets. In that there's a cap, and if it exceeds the cap, then the haircuts are applied to people holding the asset. So it would, in that scenario, we would just say like the cap for synths is like 60%, you know, synth utilization, and if it goes 61 or 62 or 63, whatever, the LPs in the protocol are not taking on that risk, right? Of that 61 or the two or the three, still taking on the 60, but not the 61, the 62 or 63 or 70 or whatever. Um, the, the saver is taking on that that risk, right? And then and the risk is being shifted from the protocol from the LPs to the savers. Now the savers don't want 
to be caught in that scenario and take on that haircut, well, then when it gets to 59% synth utilization, go ahead and leave, right? And the act of leaving will push it back down to 58%, so forth and so on, right? But if you are at 61% and you're holding a saber position and you're taking the haircut, well, you leaving will push it because of the haircut, you leaving will cause the synthesization go from 61% to 60%, right? In a matter of speaking, or 59% or whatever the number would be. So it's a way of like um, to, to shifting the, the liability away from LPs and away from the protocol onto the holders of the assets. So they're taking on more risk at that time, but they're not like, they're, they don't have to leave. They can just stay there and that's okay. Again, they're not taking on the LPs aren't taking any more risk right there. They can just say, you know what, I'm not I don't want to take on that one percent, you know, haircut or whatever the hell the number would be. I'll just wait until somebody else takes on that haircut or till Rune's price goes up or market conditions return to, you know, better conditions, whatever. Right. And so like they're not taking on a loss per se at that moment. They only take the loss on when they, when they leave, which is perfectly fine because the LPs aren't taking on the risk of the 61, the two or the three or the five or whatever, right? And so they're, they're, they're not taking on any additional losses beyond the 60, which is what they're often to get to have. Does that make sense? Any questions? It's like it's a lot of words. So it seems like it's going to be up to the savers to somewhat actively watch their positions to see when they're uncomfortable about, I guess we can call it savers IL. Yes, but the difference here is, is from what you generally see in, in the market is that savers are doing this not on a on a user by user basis. They're doing this collectively across the protocol, right? So it doesn't require every saver to look to to, to monitor their position. It just requires some percentage of them to do it, right? Like if you're approaching that sixty percent mark, right, and you're about to hit sixty one, sixty two, or sixty three, whatever. Anybody can leave at that 60% to push it back down to 59. It doesn't matter if it's me or you or, you know, somebody else. Um, it's just a collective thing is that the community is doing collectively. So it doesn't require everybody to pay attention. It just requires some people to pay attention or, you know, or if you don't really want to pay attention because you don't want to, then that's fine too. And you can just kind of, you know, just sit on your hands and that's fine as well in this scenario. I'm actually wondering as well about the relationship between, I think it was called trading accounts uh, and separating, like it seems to me like it's meant to separate ARBs from synths. Were ARBs using synths contributing to the, the risk or was it only the savers with the synths? Um, so the, uh, ARBs are, do use synths today to ARB the pool, which is, a, which makes, um, streaming swaps more effective. But when a when a um, ARB mints a synth, they are they are contributing value to the pool, like that the pool is becoming deeper, but they're not taking any of the yield. They're getting they're opting to take zero percent yield for contributing to the pool depth, right? And that yield they would be collecting is actually not being collected by them anymore. It's being collected by the LPs, right? So ARBs do use the synths today um, to, to ARB the pools. And the value of that that earns goes to the LPs today. And so trade accounts does kind of flip that a little bit where trade accounts is like ARBs are no longer using synths, which means there's more synth space for, for savers rather than um, for ARBs. It kind of separates the two using two different assets. So they don't kind of like stampede each other in a matter of speaking. 
Um, but then the, we also get just like ARBs get uh, 2x um, more uh, capital efficient with trade accounts and making it acquire with synthetics. It's, so ARBs actually become much more powerful with, with trade accounts, which is obviously beneficial for uh, the protocol. Um, and when savers now just have more space, the more people can add, right? And, and you know, and replace the savers, the, synth, the, the ARBs that were there before. I would have one more question. Uh, so what's, what is the lens role in all of this? Is, is it going to be only one intermediate allowing to take loans on Rune? Also, also like interest-free loans. Is, is it going to be done through lens or is it going to be one of the many companies allowing to do this? I think I'll let lens answer the question unless you want me to. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you could obviously answer the question as well if you want. So no, Lens will not be the only intermediary that will be allowed to host uh, zero interest loans on the Toshi network. Pretty much any interface could potentially do it. Uh, we just flagshipped it. Uh, we discussed it with the Torchin core team before landing with Live a long time ago. But it's uh, the main vision and goal of, of Lens and also Torchin is just to decentralize Torchain as much as possible and to have as many counterparts as possible. So if yeah, if there were more protocols, interfaces that would support Torchain lending, it would be better for Torchain. It would be better for us because you get more eyes on Torchain, you get more volume on Torchain. Uh, the ecosystem in its whole is is growing. So yeah, we we would support any other interface that would be also uh, supporting the, the the savings futures and lending futures. But like at the current business model, so is Lens mainly focused on P two P deals? Um, so it, it goes both ways. So we can charge affiliate fees, hopefully in the future, also for the lending futures. Obviously, we also support swaps, which we can charge affiliate fees in, uh, for. And then obviously, uh, what we, uh, Chad and I discussed earlier on, so Swap had a proposal where you actually like, charge certain bips for exits, which is a, a model that we really like. It is, it's also a model that we're going to use for our peer-to-peer -peer lending model. So when users come onto our protocol and they borrow any uh, type of asset, they don't pay any fees, not for a transaction, not for the borrowed amount. And then lenders, they don't pay any amount for the transaction, but then they do pay a fee for the amount of interest that is earned uh, on their amount. So let's say they earn uh, $1,000, they we could charge, for example, $100 from the interest that is earned. Um, so that would be our, our, our revenue model. So one, the affiliate fees of Torchain, and then also the own interest that we'll charge a fee on on our peer-to-peer -peer lending module is there gonna be any yield farming of the rune coin from the lens uh, a yield farming of the rune coin on lens wait i mean on torchin uh, uh, uh are you asking if there's going to be a liquidity pool on torchin for lens yeah, kind of. And also, is it going to provide opportunity to do yield farming? So I'm not sure about the yield farming. I think you mean for Lens itself, are you able to earn an APY on Lens, right? Because uh, I think that's your question, right? Uh, so like pretty I'm, much stake uh, Lens token to earn yield. Uh, it's kind of both ways, like also for Lens and at the same time for the Rune token as itself. Uh, okay, so we will support a uh, Torchain liquidity pool. We will uh, support, uh, we will pool Rune, uh, 10,000 Rune with a certain amount of Lens tokens that will be the equal price of, of 10,000 Rune. 
So we will support a uh, Torchain liquidity pool. As far as APY earned on the Lens token, yeah, we will have a pool where you can like, stake your Lens tokens to earn APY, similar like uh, how you can earn APY on TorSwap. And then the last part, I'm not 100% sure what you mean with earning APY on your Rune tokens, like staking Rune tokens on our protocol where you then can earn Rune. Is that what you mean? I mean, like in the future, it's one of the possibilities how you can expand at least the revenue side. So when when if you as Lens as itself, you start providing like some sort of loans, like interest free. So if you, let's say, take 150% of collateral and you give 70 or 50% of, let's say, stable token or anything like this, in that case, as soon as you swap it to run token, you could try to do yield farming, which could be potentially like additional revenue. But of course, before doing this, you would need to have like a certain uh, metrics in place. So in worst case, you wouldn't lose a lot of money. Okay, yeah. So we don't have anything planned for that as of now. We obviously, in, 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 the, in the near future and the, the longer future, that could be a possibility. But we'll just strictly do no zero interest and, and zero liquidation loads through Torchain. And then you'll have the regular peer-to-peer -peer lending model through our platform, which you would pay interest. And you would also, you could get liquidated. Uh, but then users obviously have the uh, option to choose whatever fits within their risk management system, which is like a lower loan to value or higher loan to value with obviously the associated risks with it. But as of now, no. Okay, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks for coming up again uh, to Rune Lens team and good luck with everything going into the future. Hope you guys you know, keep shipping and uh, building something really cool for the DoorChain ecosystem. Good. It's great to have diversity. Uh, interfaces and teams building on it. Uh, it's it's great to see. So yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for you guys for going us. into the idea. Yep. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, and 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 thank you for the kind words, and also thank you, Chad, for for hopping in and just giving some explanation about the torture futures. I uh, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, if anybody has any other questions, you can always hop into our Discord, and, and we'll be able to answer your your questions. And um, yeah, have a have a good one, everybody. Later.